And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell. He scores the ball and he rebounds well. Don't fight the future. Here comes Luca. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that would not chase a rival podcast down a hallway in any arena in the NBA, not just Footprint Center. I'm Tim Cato. I write and talk about the Mavericks. We've got Dave Dufour. Hang on a second. What? 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 Who got chased? Where? Oh, you didn't you didn't watch the end of the game, clearly. No, the game was over. <laughs> Man, I got stuff to do, buddy. I can't I can't just sit and watch all this garbage time, right? You're That's not learning anything from, from garbage time in, in game five of a series, right? Like Well, it's a uh, it's a Tim and Dave podcast. We're coming to you Wednesday mid morning, or at least mid morning for me, uh, after game five's blowout uh defeat by the Mavericks. And Dave Dufour clearly did not see that Marquise Chris and Bismack Biombo were both ejected from the final seconds. I think there was one second. Dude, I didn't even see it. I, I was in the media room at that point. Oh, man. If they get, get suspended for game six, it's a game changer for this series, Tim. I think. I if think, Bismack Biombo and Marquise Chris can't play, what are we going to do? Well, Biombo getting suspended, which I don't think will happen. Deal, but it won't. That, that's, a, that's a bit of a bigger deal. That's one of the adjustments we will talk about that Phoenix made. Anyway, I thought that, and, and I think that broadly, this series has reached the point where it's about execution, that both teams know what they want to do very intimately and, and deeply. Both teams know, you know, if one of the teams, you know, yells out a word that indicates a play, everybody knows what it means. You know, everybody knows what five fingers up in the air means. Everybody knows all the motions. Everybody knows the spots. Um, you know, it's even it's even more than that. The players know what it feels like for Luka Doncic to bump you trying to get into the post. They know what that physically feels like. You know, uh, you know, the Mavericks understand that. You know what Devin Booker wants to do when he takes a designated handoff from Aiton. And curls around. He knows they know what exact spot on the floor that Booker wants to be at. I, I think this is something you guys talk about on uh, Nerder She Wrote, Dave, that, you know, the further you get into the series, the more it is that, you know, all that matters is execution. All that matters is playing better than the other team. And I think it's pretty clear at this point of the series, that's where we are. And that's what we saw in game five. Well, the Suns were a wins machine this year, right? Like 64 and 18 doesn't happen 
accidentally. And part of that is because of their consistent ability to execute, get in, like they can get into their stuff and they do it quickly with pace. They do it off makes. They get into their offense quickly. So they continuously put pressure on the defense. You know, that Chris Paul game threw them off quite a bit, right? Like him being in foul which, trouble. Which one? Well, <laughs> the, the really bad one threw them off quite they a bit. They were both but, really bad, honestly. But you can't expect a team that's as good as the Suns. I mean, they lost two games in a row four times all year, I believe. Um, they weren't going to lose a third. And I don't think anyone should have expected that. They were going to play better. Just they, they, There was no way they were going to have a worse game than game four. So um, their response shouldn't really surprise anybody. They, they, they were the best crunch time team in the league. That's the sort of – like that's a hallmark of teams that can execute their game plan and stick to their identity. See, this is an issue that I think Dallas, when they have their successes, that is playing to their identity. It's when they get away from that that things start to go south for them. And I, I think that game five is kind of an example of that. They weren't the most successful version of themselves from a, from a execution standpoint. Yeah. It is funny. We still haven't had a close game in this series, not a single one, but I agree. High that variance, right? Like we had a game where, yeah. where the, the Mavs hit 23s. Yeah. Right. It's just, Throws yeah. a wrench in everything. Right, right, right. You know, so I thought I thought the Suns adjusted, adapted, you know, did a few things well. It wasn't surprising stuff. It was a lot of stuff I predicted in, you know, the story I wrote after game four, which is not to say I'm brilliant or a genius. It's to say that the Mavericks certainly knew that these adjustments from the Suns were probably coming. You know, campaign didn't play. JaVel McGee basically didn't. Biznak Biombo got backup center minutes. Um, you know, I thought all of those were very small personnel adjustments that made sense for the Suns. It put fewer, you know, flashing red light adjust, you know, uh, targets out on the, on, onto the court. Uh, Biombo moved his feet pretty well. JaVale just can't guard three pointers, you know, like whatever you want to describe it, three point shooters, he can't contest threes, you know, like he is, he can't do that. It's, he's very bad at that. Um, and that's an issue against the Mavericks. I I thought it was smart sticking defensively, uh, or I guess on the other end, you know, I thought it was smart that Devin Booker would attack instantly, that the Mavericks are kind of playing this contained drop coverage with Luka. And, you know, they've showed at some points this series with him. I wonder if the reaction, you know, if, if, if Booker's getting downhill and scoring layups or shots right at the rim against uh, Doncic, who's kind of playing drop coverage, but he's not one of... The sinners who that is actually you know effective at drop coverage, at obviously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He they're, they're doing it to ideally get Finney Smith back in position to guard Booker again and to get Doncic out to his man. I wonder if he should go back to showing, or the Mavericks should go back to showing more aggressively. Oh, I definitely think with Booker because Phoenix is just so good at getting him on the run. I think you've got to touch him early, and especially I mean he's like he's not that big of a guy especially compared to Luca. So I think if it's Luca that's caught and he's and he's moving, I think he definitely needs to show try to make some contact. And at least if you're going to foul, you're fouling early right, instead of right, fouling right. within a, a, a the ability to get an and one. Um but but, but the if, but trick if you, is I think you've actually got to 
they've got to bring their pressure up like they did in the in the two games in Dallas and I think that they've got to touch these guys even sooner. You got to start slowing Devin Booker down 70 feet from the basket, not 30 feet. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Reggie Bullock doing that to Chris Small definitely had an effect. He continued in a game 5 and and Chris only had uh 7 points, but he did have 10 assists. He was good. He played well. Um, well, and now that's a see now the you talk about the assists. I think that's the other thing when we get to the offense for for Dallas, I think that that's something we can we can harp in on. But the yeah. the defensive struggles. I mean, listen, man, Phoenix is just good, and they can beat you in every single way that they want to play. Um, right. You got to hope they miss shots. Right. Yeah. I mean, so we like those are the adjustments, the ones I kind of ran through. But the bigger adjustments was again just execution, playing better. You know, if they were to, you know, if Lucas shows harder on Booker. One thing that Mikael Bridges did a lot better this game uh, was be effective at the short roll. Uh, DeAndre Ayton did the same thing, you know, whether it's a, you know, just depending on whether it's small, 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 big uh, pick and rolls and, and who was the screener. Um, you know, I, I, I just thought, you know, defensively, I thought Phoenix's players who were beat up on throughout this series were better. Cam Johnson had been bad defensively four games in and he held his own. Uh, Landry Shamit got a defensive stop against Luca. Uh, Biombo, as we mentioned, was was solid. He he denied. I can't remember if he blocked him. I don't think he got a block officially, but but he did enough to get Luca to miss at the rim. Like these plays matter, and and I don't I don't know what to say. You know, it's nothing Monty Williams did at least X's and O's wise to get those players to get those stops. Now, yes, uh, there was the help defense was a little more focused. And, you know, didn't lead as often to, you know, these just kick, uh, you know, wide open kick threes where the ball doesn't actually have to get into the lane to happen. Um, But yeah, it was just the Suns played better and the Mavericks played worse. Like, I don't know. There's only so much to be said about game five because that's you can just say that. And that's like kind of sums it up. Right. I mean that's a that's quite a bit of it, right? Like that, you right. can say that in a lot of games, but this one in particular, especially from the shooting perspective, I mean Dallas just did not shoot well from three at all, and they've done that. But now we can talk about the quality of the looks; they weren't the same. I thought Phoenix was more aggressive at, at closing out on threes. I just thought that they did a better job overall. Their energy levels were better, which, by the way, it's a home game for them. That's, this is sort of what we expect, I think, with, with home teams, and we've seen it because we saw it with the Mavs just really messing up the looks for Phoenix in, in those right. games in Dallas. So, I mean, well, I can't give you a stat. It's about a make that. or miss league, right? What's the stat? so the Mavericks? Uh, so the Mavericks. Well, the easy one: the Mavs had the fewest threes since their opening game of the postseason. They only shot thirty-two. Uh, that's the same number they shot in game one against Utah. They only drove 38 times in Tuesday's game. That's the fewest they've had in any of any of the five games against the Suns. Um, a drive is recorded as I, it's it's 20 feet out to 10 feet in. Right. Uh, you have the ball. You're 20 feet away from the rim or 20 plus feet. And then you get within 10 feet. That's a drive. It doesn't mean that you shoot or pass. It doesn't mean any. you could turn it over. It doesn't mean what you do. It just, it's a, it's the movement of a ball handler. Jason Kidd has talked a lot about how important it is for the ball handlers to get two feet into the paint. And they have a number that they're passing around. Um, 
you know, that, that they have for the past weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's something like 1.2 points per possession. Um, the point being is that it's really good when the Mavericks get two feet in the paint with a ball handler. That is basically their offensive formula. It has been all postseason. You drive, you kick it. That starts the blender. That leads to ball movement. That leads to threes. And they didn't have that. You know, they had the the fewest number of drives that would have created that formula that has been so successful for them this series, this postseason, really since the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. Yeah, I mean, listen, Phoenix's intensity was up, right? They were being more physical at the point of attack. But Dallas looked tired. They frankly looked tired. Luka, especially in that third quarter, just looked like he had dead legs. When was the last time Luka had five from threes in the last three games? Two assists. Jalen Brunson had two assists. Now those guys, they're the they're your your drink stirrers for the offense. They're the guys that need to get into the paint, draw the defense, kick out to the open three. Now, if you look, you look at just the three point attempts. Dorian Finney-Smith only got up five. Reggie Bullock only got up three. Maxi got up four. That's just it's just not enough attempts. And those are the guys who benefit the most from Jalen Brunson and Luca breaking down the defense. So it starts with those two guys. They were they were relatively ineffective, I thought, at their primary job, which is creating those looks. Jalen Brunson winds up, you know, scoring some points, and so does Luca. But the more important thing is to create those open threes for everybody else, because then the offense inside becomes easier. You 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 know, I actually thought that Dallas had an opportunity here. If they could have come out and punched Phoenix in the mouth, they may have been able to force Phoenix to go small and go away from Aiton, go away from Bismack Biombo, and that's really what they want. Because Aiton, in games three and four, he played so soft, and in the first half of this game, he was also incredibly soft. And the big difference I thought was coming out of halftime, he was more intense. I don't know what what they said to him in the locker room, but I thought he came out clearly intent on establishing himself. You know, he gets some offensive rebounds, which by the way, Phoenix did a great job on the offensive glass. There's another way in which they they just showed more energy in the game. So, uh, you know, the drives, it's not surprising that the number was so low because the three-point attempts are pretty low. Right. It's yeah. a direct correlation. They they seem like a team running on fumes in this game. And and by the way, with the with the level with the high level of intensity they were defending in games three and four, I'm not surprised that there was a big uh, letdown from an emotional perspective, a bit of a letdown for game five. It's hard to get up like that for every single game. Their back was against the wall. They were down 2-0, two home games. That game five, look, Phoenix is supposed to win. They're the better team. So I, I think that, you know, you got to, if you're, if you're Dallas, you have to look at the tape on this and you got to, your points of emphasis have got to be energy intensity, but offensively it has got to be, like you said, two feet in the paint. And I don't, I don't think just the paint is good enough. I think you've got to have a a goal for number of shots at the rim. Yeah. And that's the thing. Phoenix was playing them more man coverage than they had since the opening game. They were, you know, this, they were trying to limit, assists. Monty Williams said after game one, you know, the stat that they were trying to limit Dallas was assists. And they went away from that a little bit because Luca came out in game one and scored 45. And it is hard to look at a 45 next to a player's name 
and not think that you need to adjust to it. Uh, now, granted, a lot of that was was directly at the end of that game. Um, you know, I, I didn't think they needed to adjust though. <laughs> they won both those games big, and and I, I thought they I thought they got back to what they did in the first two games. Phoenix did. And it was more successful, but, but there are more drives, you know, some of this was mentality or, or fatigue, or, you know, some of it was, was the sun's defenders, especially the weaker defenders who they were targeting playing better. But, but some of it was Luca not trying to drive and, and settling for step back threes. I agree. He definitely looks tired. You know, I mean, on the defensive end, it's hard to even know if he looks tired because sometimes there's just no movement, no effort. Right. On the defensive end, what do you? Yeah, on the defensive end, I thought that he was worse. The, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to have. I don't want in three and four. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to have this like whole conversation. And, and he's not the reason they lost. His his defensive effort is not the reason they lost. But you know, he mixed well, in. I'm thinking more about the energy conversation, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, there was one time early, early in the first quarter, where he just like didn't see a back pick, and it led to a it led to a Devin Booker pull up. Um, you know, there's instances, there's a play I sent you where he's, tr- he, he, rec- he recognizes that you, Phoenix is running the motions that has led to Devin Booker corner threes before. And he's like, I'm going to stop it. But he stops it by abandoning his man and standing in one place. And it ends up with a Mikhail Bridges pull up inside the lane. That really should have been a Mikhail Bridges lob assist to Biombo, who's wide open under the rim. Right. So he's, At- he's been worse. And I, like you sent me that clip and you were like, well, is there any excuse for this? And I was like, well, no, just none. And and it'll be in my article on the athletic. Um, yeah. For those who need a need the visual on it. Yeah. T- going to film school with Tim. It's a, it's a good time. Um, but it's just look, energy is a finite resource. It is totally within reason. That this team is just out of gas for game five. Now, how they respond in game six, that's going to be the story, right? Like, I mean, Phoenix should wrap this up in six. I, I expected them to win in five or six, especially, you know, given Luca's uh, calf, right? I didn't think he'd be at the level that he's played at, to, to be frank. I mean, game five notwithstanding, um, he was spectacular in those, those games at home. So um, Phoenix should wrap this up. But will the difference is going to be how does how does Dallas come from an energy perspective? Because that was really the big difference to me in Game Five. Yeah, yeah, and I think Dallas can win, especially if they get a step back game from Luca. You know, a step back in terms of like meaning his step back is working. Yeah, He's and you five have to think twenty five on threes the past three games. Yeah, you have to think that uh, you know you're going to get more three point attempts, right? Like, I mean, there there's no way they're going to have thirty two attempts. Again, I can't imagine. Do you think? Do you think the Suns are? I mean, Dallas can be better again, but I thought the Suns. I thought the Suns were better. You know, this is they what were. they're trying to limit. Yeah, but I, I think it needs to be a Luca so and a Jalen game. If I think if Luca and Jalen can combine for sixty, the Mavericks have a really good chance in in game uh, in game six. And and I think Dallas can make more threes, even even the ones they took. You know, not not all of them. There was certainly a good number of threes taken within the final four seconds of the shot clock. Uh, Maxi Kleba, I think, took two threes that were 30-footers with seconds left. Well, that's, you, that's not – you can't ask them to do that. That's not well, the, reasonable. 
they they spent way too much time late shot clock. This is this is num, num, priority number one again. Energy and it needs to be on both ends. They need to be getting across half court. I mean, like pass the ball up court. Whatever you have to do, get the ball moving. You know, this is one of the things Chris Paul is spectacular at is managing the clock in both directions. He'll slow it down when it needs to, but he speeds it up. They need those possessions. They need to try to and catch Phoenix before they can get set. I mean, try to create your own semi-transition off made baskets. I mean, watch what Phoenix does. Devin Booker's amazing at it. Try getting Dorian Finney-Smith flying. See what happens. Lucas said after the game that he thought the tempo was – uh like the offensive tempo, his offensive tempo was a, was a little slow. So I do think that's something that that we'd expect or we should expect to see. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. What else do you want to talk about this game? I saw a lot of people criticizing Dwight Powell. I don't get that. We know that, you know, for this team's long-term goals, he is not a good enough center. He played eight minutes. He was minus four. That's nothing. He's not the reason they lost the game. He's not even yeah. close to the reason they lost the game. Maxi cannot play 40 minutes a night. Like, he can't. That is that is not a reasonable thing to ask of him. And so you have to spell him with minutes somewhere. You know, they, they ended up going Bertans as the only big man for a couple brief stretches because they had to get Maxi a break. Um, I think Powell makes some sense. You know, I think the switchiest big man on Phoenix is, uh, you know, is Aiden, I guess, I guess, but, but like, you don't, you don't, when, when JaVale McGee was the backup center, you wanted Maxi in because you wanted JaVale switched out. So it did make sense to me. You know, I, I think there are reasons of belief and trust in all the things we've talked about, you know, the culture and the identity that Jason Kidd has built uh, in his coaching staff has built with this team. I think there are reasons within that that Dwight Powell starts. But I also think X's and O's wise, 
it makes sense that Dwight Powell plays against Aiton. Um, especially when Aiton wasn't destroying them the past few games, uh, wasn't destroying Powell. So that wasn't the reason that that had nothing to do with it to me. Um, what else? Anything I else mean, stand I, out to you in this game? No, I mean, I, I actually think the, the Berton's minutes were pretty good. Um, he, he wasn't until the very end of the third that I felt like he was really getting targeted mm-hmm. effectively on the defensive end by mm-hmm. Phoenix. And and maybe they're quicker to do that uh, in game six, potentially. Um, but uh, other than that, man, I, I think it, it comes down to exactly what you started the show with. It's execution. If Dallas can can reclaim their identity, get those feet in the paint, create the open looks, and can the shots, then we can go seven. And as we famously know. Anything can happen in game seven. But yeah, I think it starts and maybe not ends, but it starts with Luca. And it it in it's somewhere in the middle, it's also Luca. And then maybe it ends with, you know, the rest of the role players and a good dose, like a good Jalen Brunson game is needed in game six. But I think this is almost all going to be about Luca. And look, we know his track record. We know that it's not smart to bet against him. We know that he started playing postseason games when he was 17 in 2016. He comes up in these moments. He delivers. He loves these moments. I don't know if he's physically capable of coming up in this. Like his fatigue levels may just be combination of coming back from the injury, the heavy load he's played since then, the fact that these games are coming every other day. Um, you know, I think I think even for Finney Smith and, and Bullock, you know, those heavy, heavy minutes they played in Utah. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't I don't have, you know, access to their the medical info that that Dallas has, but I could I could theorize that they're starting to feel it as well. But but yeah, I think game 6 comes down to to Luka. Is is Luka going to go out and win? Uh because Phoenix is playing him in a way that it has to start with Luka and it has to start with him getting two feet in the paint, getting to the rim every single possession, forcing them to collapse, forcing them to help and that's how Dallas has won the two games of the series, and, and that's how they can win game three, uh, game six. And they need to start right away. They yeah. need to win the first quarter, and they need to win it big because Phoenix, when they start to get their legs under them, they're just too damn good, which was, is what we saw in game five. So I think that that's the key is like right out of the gate, you got to punch them in the mouth, and you can't stop punching. I completely agree. All right, let's get out of here on that note. Um, we will be back after uh, after game six, of course. Um, if the season's over, we might uh, it might might take a couple days, and we'll do a, a proper post mortem uh, podcast. We'll we'll get the whole gang on if if we can. So either way, it's uh, it's a big result, whichever whichever way it goes. Thanks, Dave. This was fun. Thank you, uh, listener, for listening, and we'll see you. Plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Doncic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca.
future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh! Shut it down. Oh Let's go home. <laughs> it's a wrap, Doug. Man, that is a wrap. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.